All right, turn to the book of Acts tonight. Thank you for that song. Was that their first time singing? Okay, I'll let them sing again. Good job. Uh, enjoyed that. Acts chapter number 6. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll remind you of a couple things. And it is good to have Brother David Bassler's parents in the service tonight. And uh, they are members of the church, my good friend, Dr. Norris Belcher, pastors. And so I'm glad you get to hear some good preaching tonight. And so if you'll please pass that message along, I would certainly would appreciate that. Uh, but it is good to have them uh, in the service tonight. And I want to remind you uh, to be uh, faithful and just enjoy what God is doing tonight. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, I'm going to uh, preach on the uh, subject of the office of the deacon. And as we are progressing forward, and I want to hit some reset buttons, and in the next several weeks, I'll put forth some uh, names uh, for uh, considerations, recommendations for the office of the deacon. And I'm thankful for all those who serve in every capacity, uh, but certainly this capacity. I'm going to teach tonight on what the Bible says uh, is is because the office of the deacon consists of. There's a lot of misconceptions. Uh, one about God's church. There's a lot of misconceptions about the office of the deacon and the purpose of the office of the deacon. And so tonight I just want to see what the Bible says uh, about the office of the deacon. I think that will be a help to us. And I'm excited about what God is doing and uh, putting everything in place, making sure everything is in order so that God can, can continue to bless. Uh, the little bit of a change of schedule today for, is a good example. Uh, streamlining the service a little bit. When uh, I got out of the service this morning, my wife said, she said, the new the changes went good. She says, I see that you're just wanting to give yourself more time to preach. And that's not it. I'm giving time for a longer invitation. And as we bring people in and people are being dealt with with the gospel, I want there to be plenty of time uh, for people to make decisions. And if I get a few extra minutes in there, that's just an added bonus. But uh, uh, let's continue to see how God can use us. I'm going to read from, from Acts chapter number 6 in just a moment, and then uh, about halfway through the, the, the outline, we're going to turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 3. And so when I give you the, the instructions, be ready to turn there, and we'll refer to both of these passages tonight. Uh, but I want us to make sure, one of my goals at the beginning of the new year, obviously, I had spent much time in prayer and uh, thought and study about what, what the emphasis this year, of course, the theme of a double portion uh, we want uh, twice God's blessings. Uh, but as I, if you think back to when I preached that, that, that first message on that subject, uh, Elisha, uh, he asked for a double portion because I believe he looked at Elijah and he said, Elijah has some things that I do not have. And so I'm going to need a double portion of that spirit. I'm going to need a double portion of the power. I'm going to need a double portion of the uh, Word of God. I believe that's, and that's what we're asking for. Setting a goal to double our attendance, that's, that's not something, that's a great thing. Uh, but that's not something that is trite, something that's little, and we need God to help us do that. And we're going to have to do the work. But I want us to uh, just, just be reminded of the basics of what we are supposed to do as the church. Uh, God gave, Jesus gave, as you know, the Great Commission to the church. Uh, and uh, I'm going to preach uh, probably next couple of weeks uh, on the institution of the Great Commission and remind us of the importance of the church and what God says about the church. Uh, so many times Christians, they want to set aside the church. That is not a scriptural position. 
Uh, and so inside the church, we want to make sure that we are operating as the Bible says. Uh, we are conducting ourselves as the Bible says. And I put a lot of emphasis on that one accord. How it's important for us to be of one accord. Well, why don't we see what they saw in the book of Acts? Because we're, we're not of one accord. And so when God's people are of one accord, that's what happens. And so this evening, I want to deal with this subject. And uh, this will be something that we take care of as a church in the next few weeks. And, uh, and uh, have a, a new installment of deacons. And uh, press forward in what God wants for us. Verse number 1 of Acts chapter number 6. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Uh, here we find the uh, first deacons being selected uh, into the New Testament church. And so tonight I want to preach on that subject, the office of the deacon. Father, we pray that you would help us as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God be our teacher, our instructor tonight. Uh, may we as a church consider these truths and consider these precedents that you set. And uh, Father, may uh, all of us as your church, may we realize that the role that we play is very, very important uh, as we, the institution of the Great Commission, continues to press forth. And Father, I pray that you'll bless tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find in Acts chapter number 6, if you think and uh, review just for a moment, we find in Acts chapter number 1, Christ's ascension. We know that we've been speaking of the Great Commission uh, to go, uh, to win them, baptize them, teach them, train them to become disciples so that they go and win and keep that, keep that uh, repeating. And after he gives that instruction in Acts chapter number 1, we read of his ascension up to heaven. And he gives that instruction to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth after the Holy Spirit's powers come upon you. And that, that's a big thing that we'll, we'll spend more time on in the future. We, 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 we could be a whole lot more effective if we would have the Holy Spirit power upon us before we go and try and reach the world. They went into that upper room. They prayed. They begged for the power of God. They were empowered. Peter preached Pentecost beginning in chapter number 2. We know that 3,000, God did a miracle there, and 3,000 people were saved, added to the church. What a great, uh, great miracle. The church begins to grow. They face some opposition. Now they are growing, and we find in chapter number 6 that because of the growth, there's problems. And this is a good reminder for you and I. As the church grows, it creates problems. Um, parking problems. Seating problems. Restroom problems. I could go on and on. It creates problems. Well, what, what is the solution? The solution is not to have less people. Uh, the solution is let's address the problems. And let's continue to grow through the problems. Well, it's just, you know, I just think we ought to have, well, the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they had problems because of their growth. And God provided a way. So there's a problem because of the growth. And what was, what was, the, what was the problem? There, there arose a murmuring 
of the Grecians against the Hebrews, verse 1, because their widows were neglected in the, in the daily uh, ministration. There were some people who were not getting their needs met, the widows. Uh, the care of the widows was not getting done as it needed to get done. Now, that was an issue. Now, there shouldn't have been murmuring, but that was an issue. Because of the growth, because of the needs, there was more to do than those apostles could do, those pastors of the New Testament church could do. There was more to do than they themselves could possibly do. And it's a good reminder that we're all limited in our abilities. We're all limited in our capacity. All of us have the same amount of hours in a day. We have a limited energy. We have a limited knowledge. And so because of the growth, there was more needs than were being met. There arose that murmuring that uh, widows were being neglected. Now, the widows needed to have their needs met. They needed the help. That's a good thing. The needs needed to be helped. So uh, they came when this murmuring was going on. Uh, They called the multitude together and begin to address it. And this is when there is the suggestion, this is when there is the uh, uh, command, if you will, to go choose out some among you, and then they would establish them to help take care of the needs. Now, with that as the simple introduction tonight, I'm going to uh, make four statements concerning the office of the deacon. We'll, we'll, find, we'll pull two from this passage, and then we'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. But let me say, first of all, the office of the deacon is a position of service. Uh, serving in the, in, in the Lord's church, uh, we get the wrong mentality that it's a celebrity position. We have too many celebrity pastors, too many celebrity preachers, too many celebrity servants in the church. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a position of service. Uh, and so it's in first of, it, that's the first thing we need to be reminded of. Uh, notice uh, verse number one, because the widows were neglected in the daily ministration. This is the need that came about. This is the reason for the office of the deacon, according to what the Bible says, to meet the needs of the widows. I believe the church has a responsibility to help where it can help. And this is an area where the office of the deacon was installed. It was was added to the church, if you will, because there were needs that needed to be met. It was a position of service. It is a requirement. For somebody who serves in the office of a deacon to be a servant. That is a requirement. If, if, we, if, we, if you're looking for a title, and quite frankly, many a diatrophies has found a position as a deacon because he's looking for a title instead of looking for a way to serve. Looking for a way to meet the needs of the people. It is the The office of the deacon, number one, is a position of service. Number two, the office of the deacon exists to assist the pastor. The reason why some of the needs were not getting met was because 
the pastor couldn't get to everything. Couldn't meet all the needs. Now, there's, there's a lot of misnomers as well about what the pastor should and shouldn't do. And I'll address some of those in just a moment. It's good for us all to understand uh, these things. But the office of the deacon exists to assist the pastor. In verse number 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Okay, stay with me. They come to these men and say, The widows aren't getting their needs met. You know what the response was? Okay. They just don't care about the widows. No, they understand the, stood the importance of their position. They understood the importance of their office. They said it's still not good enough. For, that's not a reason for us to leave the word of God and take them some groceries. Well, that goes against a, a lot of people's feelings today. But after they said, appoint, find them and we'll appoint them, look at verse number 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What they were saying was, the pastor has a priority. It's the ministry of prayer and of the word. There's a lot of things as your pastor that I like to do. Or I would like to do. But I can't do it because it takes away from the ministry of the word and prayer. So, Pastor, are you too good to do it? No, I'm not. And quite frankly, it's taken me 10 years to get to a place where, you know, I'm comfortable delegating a lot of things so that things can be done in a more efficiently way because I know my priority is the word of God and prayer. So a pastor should start with that. And say that he can don't, that's what he can do that nobody else can do. In that position, the pastor of the church. And so from there, you, you go and, and then you can fulfill other responsibilities. Uh, the pastor can, some, some people have the, the mindset that the uh, pastor is the church's errand boy. Um, that's not in the Bible. No, the pastor should not feel like he's above. And, and I don't feel like I'm above, but I know what my priority is. Uh, the pastor cannot do everything. And he should not have to do everything. You know whose church the Emmanuel Baptist Church is? First of all, it's the Lord's because he's, he's the cornerstone. He's the founder. He's the head. But after that, practically speaking, it's ours. It's ours. There is the office of the pastor. There is the office of the deacon. This is ours. This is, this is our church, and we all fill our role. A church is greater when more people are involved in the work. I would say a church would be stronger if everybody, as I've challenged us, if every family said, I'm going to get one more family in the church, than if 10 families got 100 families in the church. The reason is, is because everybody's involved in the work of the church. God never intended for one person to carry the load, if you will. Now, there are some who carry a heavier load, and I would say those that feel called to preach and called the pastor, you need to consider that 
you, you need to make sure your spiritual walk is what it needs to be because spiritual warfare is a real thing. Bearing burdens is a real thing. But the pastor cannot do everything. The pastor is not the church's errand boy. Um, he must make certain things a priority. And in doing so, some things are going to get left undone. So there are those who pick up that slack, if you will, and stand in that void. And so the office of the deacon is to be a position of service. The office of the deacon exists to assist the pastor. They serve as the pastor asks them to serve. And I'm thankful the deacons that we, we currently have, that's exactly what they do. They are servants, and they serve at the, at the uh, direction of the pastor, and I appreciate that. But also, let me say, it, with this in mind, the deacons are not an oversight of the pastor. See, this is something that years ago we, we had churches, and, and most churches were in a convention. And the convention began to go liberal, and so churches began to pull out of the convention. But they took with them a lot of the same structure of the convention that they were in. And it's, you cannot find in Scripture where a deacon board serves as oversight on a pastor. It was Dr. Lee Robertson who I think famously said, if you can't trust me to have the wisdom enough to know which, bo- which broom to buy for the church, that I probably shouldn't be your pastor. It is not intended to be an, over, an oversight of the pastor. Look at verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over, notice the next two words, this business. What were they to be over? Taking care of the widows. This business. That's, that's their responsibility. And this is good for our current deacons to hear, those that might be serving deacon in, in, in the future. Uh, if you serve as a deacon, you serve to assist the pastor. It is not oversight of the pastor. I, I, and, and our deacons don't have a problem with me saying this, but they're not my boss. I've been married to my boss for 20, almost 28 years. They're not my boss. Say, what if she's not available? You've met my children. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm covered. Uh, and sometimes we, 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 we bristle at this. Well, who's the pastor a- answer to? How about God? He answers the, the, to God. And friend, I would rather be at odds with you than at odds with God. But it doesn't serve as the oversight of the pastor whom we may... A point over this business. Again, our deacons don't have any problem with saying this. They, they are there to serve as, the capac- at the capac- as I, as I uh, ask them to serve and whatever I ask them to do to take care of these needs. Can you, ha- can you, can you men take care of this? Uh, can, can, there's something I need you to handle. Can you go make this visit? They are there to serve as, as, as the needs are there. Uh, it is not an oversight of the pastor. Now, I'll tell you what I do think is wise. I do think because our deacons have wisdom, and we'll look at that in a moment, and 
are godly men, I use them as a sounding board. They're a representation of the church. And if they all say to me the same thing, that's a pretty good indication. I use them as a sounding board. I use their wisdom. But deacons answer to the pastor. The pastor doesn't answer to the deacons. That's important just to be, just to be mindful of. It's the way God has established it. So we said, number one, that the office of the deacon is a position of service. Number two, the office of the deacon exists to assist the pastor. And it's true that I cannot possibly meet the needs. And as the church grows, there's more and more dependence on others because I do understand the importance of the ministry of the word, the ministry of prayer. I've grown up in this church. I've been on staff for uh, since 1996, I think it is, in some capacity. There's about, I've served in every capacity that you possibly can serve in, except for having the official title of youth director. And when I was younger, that's something I always wanted to do. And now that I'm the age I am, I was like, there's no way. It's like, Pastor, who's your least favorite person? It's always the youth director because that's punishment. Uh, but uh, any, any, anyway, um, I say all, all that to say I've done about everything. I'm willing to do about anything. But I think you'd rather have me praying for you than cutting the grass. I think you'd rather have me studying than filling the, the need in some other capacity. Not that they're not important. That's why it's important for God's people to grow in their Christian life. Because there's a need that you could help meet in the life of somebody if you make yourself available, whether you have the title of deacon or not. Uh, It's not an oversight, but therefore uh, it is a sounding board. Uh, I use the deacons. I use their wisdom. Uh, If there's something, uh, for example, when we get ready to build, there's going to be uh, decisions made about uh, if we take a loan or what kind of loan. That is something uh, that I will discuss with uh, those men who have been set apart. And then the presentation will be made to a church. There's protocol that we should follow. But the point is, when God establishes a pastor, he gives the people to help the pastor. And I hope you catch that as a church member as well. How can you help your pastor pastor the church? I say this often before you criticize the pastor, pray for him. So you think you're above criticism. No, I don't think I'm above criticism. But try praying for me before you criticize I say often, often, Pastor, I've just got all this stress and all these problems. And Pastor, this this debt and these bills that I have, and it's like, i got to come up with this. I say, anytime you want to trade, we can do that. Uh, I say that jokingly, but I want to remind us that uh, we all have a part in this. Number three, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter number three. 1 Timothy, you want to hold your place, I'll refer back to Acts chapter number five. But uh, we'll be in 1 Timothy chapter number three. And then I'm going to see number three, there are scriptural qualifications of the deacon. And while you're turning there, let me say, as God's church, that's why the Great Commission is important. People are getting saved. They're identifying with Christ. They're a public declaration of their faith through baptism. 
They become part of God's church and begin to grow. And the more Christians grow, the better off the church is. The more Christians grow, the greater blessing they can be to someone else. The brighter the light is, the more that can be done. Everybody. Say, well, I, there's, I'm not going to be a deacon, so I don't need to worry about No, every one of us ought to strive to be the best Christian that we can possibly be. Every we say, well, I would never, I'm never going to be able to serve in that capacity, or I have no desire to serve in that capacity. Well, you know what? You should still have the mindset, how can I help my church? How can I help the pastor? How can, how can, I, how can I help, help the Sunday school teacher? How can I help uh, those that serve in this capacity? How can I help uh, my fellow church member? How can I be a help and a blessing? That'll be the mindset of everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this, and then I'll get to the qualification. It's just like, uh, Pastor, I, I'm, 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 I, wanna, I, want, there's, I just want to let you know that there's some, there's, some, there's some paper, there's some litter out in the parking lot. Okay, thanks for letting me know. You could have picked it up in less time than walking in here to tell me. Uh, what the point is, we all can do something to uh, help the church go forward. Now let's look at the scriptural qualifications of the deacon. First Timothy chapter number 3, verse 8. Likewise, the first part of that chapter are the qualifications of a bishop or of a pastor. And God lists, and Paul's writing to his preacher boy, in the, his son in the faith, Timothy, say, here are the qualifications of a pastor. And there are qualifications of a pastor. Then in verse number 8, likewise, in addition to the qualifications of a pastor, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless." Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. I'll make some comments on that, but let me remind you in Acts chapter number 6, they told the multitude there, Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And a few moments ago, I, I, I reminded us that that's not to serve as the, the, the deacon board is not to serve as the oversight of the pastor. Uh, Peter writes that uh, the bishop, the pastor, is the overseer. But if the pastor's full of the Holy Ghost, if the deacons are full of the Holy Ghost, there shouldn't be a problem. If everybody is meeting the qualifications, that everybody ought to be getting along. And when, quite frankly, it goes back to us being of one accord, if we're not of one accord, everybody's on the same page but you, let me help you. Everybody's not the problem. It just might be you. But let's look at 1 Timothy 3. I remind you, it says, uh, honest report in Acts chapter number 6, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. We look at verse 8 and 9. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, be serious-minded, not double-tongued, not, not having uh, of, a, of, a, of a worldly mindset and a, and a spiritual mindset, uh, honest, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. The scripture qualification of a deacon, you can sum it up as honest. He has some honesty about him. He 
is serious-minded. He's honest with the things that have uh, been entrusted with him. He's holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. When I say honest, it's not just that he has honest dealings and, and somebody uh, gives him back more change than, than he was supposed to get and he gives us back. It's honest with the things of God. Honest with the faith. Honest in his relationship with God. Honest with his relationship with the other people. He's to be honest. Uh, notice also what Verse 10 says, and let these also be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. He must be proven. He, there must be a pattern of what we're looking for. Somebody who has some experience, somebody who has some wisdom. That's why when... Uh, there, God brings people to the church. There's, there's a space of time uh, that the pastor should observe because they need to be somebody who's proven. Uh, as young men, I thank God for the generations that are in our church and the potential that is there, but there needs to be a pattern proven. Uh, somebody with some spiritual experience, if you will. Somebody has a proven spirituality. You know, we want our deacons to, you know, attend the services. Uh, we want our we want our deacons to you not you know not dust the their Bible over when they bring it to church. You know, we we want our our deacons to have set aside some weights in their spiritual life. Uh, proven spiritually. Uh, why? Because if they're going to be there to assist the pastor, if they're going to be there in that office in, in the church to help meet the needs of people, they need to have some wisdom. They need to have some wisdom that comes from God. And I thank God our, our deacons, I believe, have wisdom. Uh, they've lived a few days. In some cases, our deacons, they've lived, they've lived many days, but uh, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, wisdom, and I trust their wisdom, and I can depend on their wisdom. And when I sit in a room and I ask them something, they give me feedback, or I pull one aside and say, let me bounce something off of you, I trust their wisdom. Why? Because it's been proven. It, they, they've got a pattern. That's why one of the greatest things you can do as a Christian is, is establish some consistency in your Christian life. Get up every day and spend time with God. Get up every day and have some time in prayer. Sunday morning, know where you're going to be. Sunday school. Sunday, night, uh, Sunday morning, be in church. Sunday night, be in church. Wednesday night, if you're, not, if you're not having to work or whatever, be in church. It's time to go visit. It's time to invite people. Be consistent in that. Well, I'd love to serve God in a greater capacity. We need to be consistent in order to do that. Pastor, I feel like God has called me to, to, to the ministry. What should I do? Establish some consistency in your life. But I have this call. Well, you need to have some consistency in your life before you go fulfill that call. The same is true in this capacity. They are to be honest, to be proven. Verse number 11 begins to deal with the, with the family. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, Sober, faithful in all things. Uh, the wife needs to be serious-minded, and I just kind of have jotted next to that, needs to be on the same page. Yeah. 
needs to be on the same page. There's a lot of good men who I believe could serve in the capacity of a deacon, but if the wife's not on the same page, I believe it's better for him not to be put in that, to be put in that position. Be on the same page. Uh, I think that's very, very important. You know, in, in, in some I've had conversations with in recent days about serving in this capacity, some I'll have in the very near future. And ladies, if, if your husband serves as a deacon or he's asked to potentially serve in that capacity, when they come home from, from a deacon's meeting, what y'all talk about? He's not going to tell you. He shouldn't tell you. Well, I've got to know. No, you don't. My wife will tell you. One of the greatest days in her life is when there was stuff in the ministry going on and she got to a place, I don't, I don't have to know. I don't want to know. It's better for me to know. She said, if there's something I need to know, just tell me so I don't make myself look like a fool. That's a good place to be. And say, well, I want to know everything that's going on. Why? I'm the pastor. Sometimes I see people making a beeline to me. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. What are they going to tell me that I just better off? I just wish I didn't have to know. Now, if somebody's at the point of death, that's not what I'm talking about. I need, I need, to, I need to know that. Um, you get the point I'm making. So they need to be on the same page. You know what? That's good for everybody to be on the same page anyway. And let me, we're talking about the office of the deacon, but let me extend that to my staff. Uh, whether it be pastoral staff or it be staff in any capacity, uh, let's make sure that we're all on the same page. And it's certainly true of the wife of the deacon. And so let me remind you that are serving that capacity to make sure that you're hitting that standard. This is a good reminder for us as we, if we hit some of these subjects to hit some reset buttons to make sure that we're uh, doing what we're supposed to do, be on the same page. So I'm not on the same page. Well, let's get on the same page. Be, it's a serious thing. And that brings me to number four because it's important because let me make state uh, number, uh, well, let me, let me mention the, the I, I want to I mention too, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. I believe the husband of one wife is self-explanatory, but let me make some comments on that, ruling their children in their own houses well. Say, well, their kid is. Well, if their kid is not doing what they're supposed to do, they should not serve that capacity. I've heard people say that about a pastor. If a, if a pastor's kid doesn't turn out, then he doesn't have a right to be a pastor. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says rule your house. Because you need to establish in your home, this is what we're going to do. Uh, this is what's going to happen. We're going to rule, we're going to rule my house in, Wales, in church. This is where we're, the house is going. Church doors are open. We're going to be there. We're going to be on the same page. Now, if there's somebody that rebels against that, or if, you hold, if you're ruling your house as God tells you to rule your house, you can't always control what everybody, but their kid got in trouble at school. Does that mean that they can still be a deacon? Well, yeah. Just because you don't serve in that capacity doesn't excuse your, your kid. And by the way, kids get in trouble at school. I probably shouldn't remind you of this. But sometimes those kids that get in trouble at school, they turn out to be your pastor. Oh, I could tell you stories. 
Oh, I can tell you stories. I'll tell you something just because I feel like it. I used to, in junior high school, the seniors would sell baked goods outside of the, out on the sidewalk, and I would slip them money through a hole in the screen and buy brownies from them in the study hall. Say, well, that's not a big deal. Then I'd resell them <laughs> to make money. Mrs. Nelson, am I telling the truth? Um, since I'm telling stories, Ms. Nelson one time decided to move me by her desk because that'll teach me. <laughs> Half an hour maybe or something, and then it was the front of the room. All I'm saying is, is sometimes children are just too advanced for the structure that they're put in, and so that's the, <laughs> that's the reason for the way they act. Well, you know, well, I just can't move. No, if there's a, if, the, if, if there's a qualification that is, it, it, they, they don't fit, then that's one thing. But to rule the children in the house, well, why is this important? It's important because God has established this. Uh, ruling the home is important because God has established this. Because look at the next verse with me, verse 13. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let me say statement number four and I'm done. The office of the deacon is a blessing to themselves, a blessing to the church, and enables the church to grow. I think it's a safe statement to make that those that truly serve the office of the deacon take it seriously, live in a way they can be that blessing, they're blessed. They're blessed. And I'll just say the warning to our, our current deacons and then those that may serve in the deacon in the future, don't get too full of yourself. It's a position of service. But if you're willing to serve in that capacity, it's a blessing to you and your family. God will bless you. But you get to be a blessing to the church as well. In Acts chapter 6 and verse number 7, we didn't read it earlier, but I'll read it now. After those deacons were chosen, in verse 7, And the word of God increased. Why did the word of God increase? It increased because the needs of the people were getting met, and there were burdens taken off of the pastor. This isn't teaching that's done today, but it's Bible. If you want a better pastor, take some of the burden off. Now, let me say, you take very good care of your pastor. You meet his needs. But what I'm talking about is the, the, the work of the ministry. The Word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The church grew, the church had a greater impact because of those that were chosen to the office of the deacon, they met those qualifications, they served in helping meet the needs. The reason why this church 
has had an impact, is having an impact now, and I believe will have a greater impact in the future, is because the more people you have meeting needs of people, uh, the greater the work of God is, the more people that are helped, and quite frankly, uh, the Word of God can increase when the pastor can keep the main thing, the main thing in his responsibility. I am a blessed man. I'm blessed for a lot of reasons. I'm blessed as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church because of the people I get to pastor. Because of who God has put alongside of me to help me pastor. I'm blessed because those that serve in the office of the deacon, they help the pastor. There's no doubt in my mind, those that are currently serving, if I went to them and said, I need you to help me with this, they would stop and, and give me, do everything they could to help me in that capacity. There are times I'll call one of them, pull one of them aside and say, can I just bounce something off of you? And I know that I'm going to get good counsel. They, it takes a lot off of me to be able to study, to pray, to do those things that only the pastor can really do. It allows me to spend more time with you. It allows me to visit. It allows me to respond. When you say, Pastor, can I just ask you a question? And in doing so, it helps the entire church. Now, if you God allows you to serve in that capacity, you... Understand, if you serve as the Bible wants you to serve, it's going to be a blessing to you, but it's going to enable the church to grow. Why? Because uh, a church that just depends on a few people is only going to go so far. But a church that has a group, an army of people, who not just serve in this capacity, but serve in other capacities, boy, it's a blessing to the church. Now, the deacons have responsibilities. There are many times that you're already at home and they're still here at the church. There are times when there's trouble. What I mean is there's a tragedy or there's, a, there's broken hearts. I have to get the pastors together and say, guys, we have one of our families that needs some help. It extends a burden on them. There are times when I know that these men have taken money out of their own pocket to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. Now, I'm not saying you have to pay your dues when you... I'm just saying that's just the kind of men. We all have a part in that, but I'll tell you that God blesses them. God blesses their family. So tonight, you may not be, and certainly if you're not a man, you're automatically eliminated from serving as a deacon. It's kind of hard to be the husband of... One wife, if you're not a man, in spite of what this woke society says, um, say, well, I, that's not me, so why do I need... Well, you might be married to somebody who could serve in that capacity. Ladies, I'll ask you is, don't, you know, don't be a hindrance of the way that your husband could serve. And certainly you can flip that around and not in the context of a deacon, but... Men, don't be the hindrance of why your family can't serve in a greater capacity. Be faithful. There's blessings, but there's responsibility. I truly believe 
that God is doing a great work in our church. I truly believe, and we have a great history, I believe the greatest days are ahead if we'll stay of one accord. If no matter what capacity we serve in, we have a heart, first of all, to please God. We also have a heart to be used of God to maybe meet the needs of a brother or sister in Christ. And then the mindset of how can I help the pastor? How can I help be a part of what God is doing? And so in the weeks ahead, we'll add some deacons, and I'll explain how our procedure and how we do this. I wanted to just spend the night and just remind us of this office of the deacon and what the Bible says is the requirements for an office, the responsibilities. And so I hope tonight, if, 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 if the Lord allows you to serve in that capacity or you could serve in that capacity, I hope that you would uh, take the opportunity to do so. But then at the same token, if, if, it's, if you're not going to serve in that capacity, not everybody can serve in that capacity. I mean, I'm not going to have everybody be on the deacon board. There's some who are qualified, but it might be best in their life right now that they don't serve in that capacity. It does not mean that if they don't serve in that capacity, and that's why they say, well, why aren't they a deacon? Well, there, there might be a reason why they're not a deacon, and it might not be, they may be just, just as qualified or more qualified. But if God allows you to serve in that capacity, I hope that uh, you will serve in that capacity and take it seriously. It's a good reminder. Uh, that's why sometimes I preach about what the, the pastor should be doing and shouldn't be, be doing. Why, you ought to know what to expect of your pastor, but it reminds me. Of, what, of my responsibilities of, of a pastor. But we all have a part that we can play. Let's make sure that we're all playing the part. It is a blessing to me. It's a, it's a big responsibility when you stand behind the pulpit and you know there's lost people in the service. Knowing that it could be the only time they hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Well, it helps me as the pastor to have my mind on one thing on Sunday morning. And it's just preaching the message that God's put on my heart. I don't have to worry about what's going on over here or over there because there are many who take care of those things. I know that if I have a need, I can, I can call the men who serve in this capacity and say, I, I, I need your help with that. And they would help me with that. Have one of our people who have a need. I need you to help with that. They would help with that. Well, that pleases the Lord, but it allows us to do more for the cause of Christ. You have, we have 10 to 15 visitors every Sunday morning. You know I can't visit all of them. Well, you, you have a staff. Well, I do have a staff. But all of them have their own list that we go over every week. There's another point that we all have to be involved in this. We all have to have a part in what God is doing. What an awesome thought to think that God would let us be part of his church. And that God would allow us to serve in whatever capacity he allows us to serve. 
hey, I want to teach the importance of this because those that serve, I want to take it seriously. But you know what? If you sing in the choir, take that seriously. Well, if I was the pastor, I'd take that seriously. Well, wherever you're serving, you ought to take that seriously. Whatever you're doing, you ought to take that seriously. Those of you that have kids in the nursery, you hope those nursery workers are taking it seriously over there. Uh, well, that's just a weird thought just went through my mind. It's like, I wonder what they are doing over there. I don't know. Uh, uh, but you get the point that I'm making tonight. Let's, let's, let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you'll...